Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 307. And tonight, we're listening to Welcome to Night Vale number 204, Audition. It's weird. I felt like we had a longer gap in between episodes, but we totally didn't. No, we didn't. I don't. I don't know what why it feels like it's been longer since you know they last had an episode. But time has no meaning in a pandemic. That's that's damn true. So we opened the episode. I liked the um, the intro music was the traditional Night Vale intro music, except it was done on a piano. I'm sure that's disparition being brilliant as yeah. always. It was a beautiful piano composition, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they wanted to switch to that permanently, I would be okay with that. And I think the music was piano for the entire episode. Yeah, I think so too. And this episode is also really good for people who um, they like live theater or are theater people or have ever auditioned for theater productions. I felt like as many of the jokes that I got, because our family was very much into theater growing up, I'm sure there are way more in there if you're really into that world. Cecil actually tried out for a production of Our Town. And he hasn't been in plays since he was, you know, in college at, and there's this long pause university anyway so he he doesn't remember (laughs) where i went to university okay but Mm -hmm. um it's uh for a production that's going to be done by penny cabrera and i think she's got some fame in night vale she's done a lot of really avant-garde stuff i think she did the iceman cometh in space (laughs) which i totally (laughs) would like to see that version oh my goodness yeah she like also does various other like traditional theater pieces but tries to like turn them on their edge a bit she did tartuffe but nude and she did uh she's all that but is dogs (laughs) i was just really reminded of the TV show Slings and Arrows, which our sister Hannah and mom and dad, too, will, of course, love. And this idea of, I don't know, taking like traditional theater pieces and just doing something weird with them. I mean, that's part of the traditional theater experience. Yeah. Oh, he also mentioned that she did a stage production of a really famous Lin-Manuel Miranda play and Mm -hmm. that apparently it was really awesome and everybody on Twitter hated it. And I thought, yeah. Is that is that a call out to In the Heights? I think it probably is. Like, I mean, it's In the Heights. It's Lemon Wall Miranda. Everybody loved it, but they found one thing about it to dislike, and then everybody just jumped on it. And then it didn't get nominated for any Oscars, which I thought was a hell of a snub. But yeah. also I um I didn't see it. Did you see it? No, I haven't seen it. Crap. No, so I guess I can't judge. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure it's wonderful. It's Slim Manuel Miranda. But anyway. So the tryouts are at the Old Orpheum Theater, and that brings us to the main part of our story, which is about the ghost of Mary Mulligan, who is a very active ghost that haunts the Old Orpheum. And she apparently died because of that superstition about not saying the word Macbeth on stage, which is kind of awkward when you're doing the play Macbeth. So most of the time they just rename the two main characters Scott and Mrs. Scott. And (laughs) see, I have wondered about that because I had this idea mom and dad told us that there was a production of Macbeth that was pretty much cursed, like people ending up in the hospital, that sort of thing. 
I want to say at least one person had a heart attack and somebody had an injury, but that is exactly what I've always wondered. I'm like, okay, so if it's bad luck to say the word Macbeth in the theater, then why does anybody ever do the play Macbeth? <laughs> hey, have you ever seen the um, the Kurosawa movie Throne of Blood? No, I haven't. Okay, that is really good. And my goodness, the Macbeth character's death. Um, gosh, think Sonny Corleone from The Godfather, only with arrows. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, wow. Brutal. Really brutal. Wow. I have been really curious because, of course, uh, Denzel Washington is in The Tragedy of Macbeth, which has been nominated for several Oscars. And I think it's available for streaming, and we are very close to Oscar time. I've been curious about that one. I haven't, I know I've seen some productions of Macbeth, but I haven't seen anything in a while. So yeah. I am, I am very, very curious about that one. But um, yeah, I, Mary, the ghost of Mary, um, the story about her death, you know, she of course died because of a production of Macbeth, but it's seriously like this Rube Goldberg series of events that led to her death. Like, like a piano that fell from the fly area, but it didn't hit her. It just hit the stage and it sent splinters into this one person who coughed up a peanut that she was deathly allergic to, but the peanut didn't get anywhere. And it just, it kept on going. Yeah, yeah. She eventually ended up falling into the orchestra pit and it was impaled on an oboe, which I'm like, yeah, that'd be a terrible way to go. But, you know, it's just very complicated. Yeah, and apparently if you accidentally say Macbeth in the theater, you will hear the ghost of Mary Mulligan. Well, it'll usually sound like the squawk of an oboe, and then you die, so. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it's at some point during the rehearsals, Cecil heard someone say, oh, I heard you just bought a new Mac, Beth, and everybody like froze, but nothing happened, because that's a technicality, and the ghosts are not going to go after you for a technicality. Yeah, he said she's not the police. No. And then we went into the background of Mary, and it turns out she was a Puritan. And I think this was like in the late 1800s. And she hated absolutely everything. I mean, she hated dancing. She hated music. She used to, like, go downtown and slap coffees out of people's hands and say, caffeine is the devil's ketchup. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It wasn't just she went downtown. She went to the um, sunlight All Day Cafe, which is obviously a reference to the, what is it, the Moonlight All oh, Night Cafe? All, a Moonlight All Night Diner. Yeah, that's, that's funny. That's the one. Yep, yep. How hilarious. But anyway, um, she hated actors. Um, she ran an orphan for children, and she loved children, but she hated them as soon as they became adults, I suppose. Um, she did productions at the theater. I'm not sure why. And... I don't know. She was apparently a talented actress, though someone said her performance as Ophelia was truly unhinged. So that's a recommendation. Yeah, she must have put all of her heart into her performances in trying to shame the actors for being actors. And I love this one review of one of her performances. Tis likely that Mary Mulligan is not an actress, but a satchel full with seagulls and set aflame inside a lady's ball gown. And that is a production <laughs> I want to see. Oh my God, yeah, that would be hilarious. <laughs> And 
through this whole thing, Cecil's like, yeah, I wish I could have met her. He he thinks that so often he decides that what he really wants to do is meet the ghost of Mary Mulligan and interview her, because that would be quite a scoop for a radio interviewer. Yeah, because Cecil says, has anyone ever tried to get an interview with a ghost? I think not. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm sure there's like a lot of movies and books where they've tried to get an interview with a ghost. That's kind of a thing. Yeah. So, of course, Cecil's main excuse for being there is to audition, but he gets really bored listening to the other people audition and the things that they've chosen. I loved Joel Eisenberg. His audition piece was he did a monologue from Equus, and Cecil said, but he made it seem really gritty. I mean, come on, Joel. It's a play about a little boy who likes horses. Lighten up. Oh, my God. Have you ever seen a live production of Equus? I have not. I've seen the movie, which was gritty enough, but I understand the live performance is a whole new level. I have seen at least two, and I think they've both been good. I want to say I saw one at the Oslo where mom and dad were, and I saw one when we were in school in North Carolina. And both times, I mean, you have horses and actors playing the horses, but they had these very stylized heads going on, and they're walking on stilts. Oh, it was just, it was brilliant, but holy cow, that is a dark, dark play. I mean, that whole idea of like, lighten up. I'm like, sorry, Cease. Yeah, I've read the screenplay for Equus. And the one thing that I would like to see in the stage play is the bit where he's slowly losing it. And you have the scene where all of the horses are surrounding him. And they all just start like, they will stomp forward in unison, stomp, and just get closer and closer to him. And that sounds unnerving. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. It's a great play, but it is not light at all. It is not about a little boy who likes horses. Oh, my goodness. So Cecil climbs up to the catwalk, and basically as he's climbing up there, I want to say it's because he actually saw the ghost of Mary, and he slipped, and he fell, and I think she caught him and hissed at him, and he's like looking at her and almost falling, and he thought of the one thing that has almost saved his life on so many times. He uttered under his breath, but first, the weather. And then we go to the weather. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very meta episode, in case you're wondering. Yeah. Um, The weather was definitely very punk. That kind Mm -hmm. of dissonance and somebody screaming the lyrics. And I'll tell you, the thing that I liked the best was the title. Oh, yeah. I actually have written here that it was angry, screaming punk. I like the instrumentals. But the title is, Yes, This Song Is About You and No, I'm Still Not Over It. (laughs) (laughs) I identify with that. It's called... um, The band is Friends for Sale, and for all that it was screamy and punk and intentionally irritating, I was actually like bobbing my head a lot of the times during it. It was fun. Yeah, it was a little catchy, I thought. Mm -hmm. Uh, We came back, and of course, it actually works. The weather saved him. So Mary Mulligan drags him by the scruff of his neck back up into the wings, and she says, what do you know about the weather? And of course, Cecil's kind of flailing. But it turns out Mary Mulligan, back in the 1800s, she was engaged to be married to the love of her life, Herbert. And Mm -hmm. Herbert was someone who liked music and dancing. And he even smoked and he drank. And but 
she she said that the weather killed him, I think, but it was mm-hmm. it, like the more she talked about it, I was trying to figure out, okay, did the weather sweep him away or did the weather like infect his house with black mold and he died from that, like the Leviticus verse that she keeps quoting? It was, but you know, whatever it is, she has decided that he was punished by God. And mm-hmm. of course, Cecil has some issues with that because Cecil would definitely have some issues with someone deciding that some arbitrary force came in and took somebody out as punishment for a very not well-defined rule. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, this whole time she's saying that her love Herbert was taken by a great storm and she said he drank, he danced, he fancied other men and Cecil's like, he sounds fun. And she said he was fun. (laughs) (laughs) And she said that the last time that she saw him, he was leaving to tell his family about her because they were together and of course there's a storm going on and the last thing he said to her was but first the weather and then she never (laughs) saw him again and I'm like sitting here thinking that whole thing about he fancied other men and I'm wondering I don't know I mean did he die or did he just leave her I mean did he just break her heart it's not really clear no but I loved what Cecil said So poor Mary starts crying about this. I mean, she's obviously still mourning however many hundreds of years it's been since all this went down. And Cecil, you know, puts an arm around her shoulder. Well, like an arm around where her shoulder should be. She's not very tangible. Mm. And he said, I don't think God killed Herbert out of punishment. I think bad things sometimes happen to fun people. And fun things sometimes happen to bad people. And I like that very much because I really hate it when people decide that somebody is suffering from something because they've obviously been bad somehow. And I'm sorry, I've seen an awful lot of really excellent people go through some crap that they didn't deserve and didn't do anything to deserve. So no, no, no. I remember after having a particularly bad breakup and running across some random self-help author's column in the newspaper, someone was talking about an ex-boyfriend who had, I don't know, gotten cancer or something horrible, and they were kind of wondering if they should reach out to them. And the suggestion there was sometimes bad things happen to good people, but sometimes bad things happen to bad people, and it doesn't make them good people. So, you know, it's just like <laughs> things things just happen. If you're a good person, you're a bad person, shit happens. So, yeah, I don't believe in the idea of God punishing you or rewarding you in any way in that respect. But um, in the end, Cecil said, suggests that Mary actually try out for the play they've been trying out for. I thought that was wonderful. And she did audition and she got not the part of the narrator, which is what Cecil had been thinking about trying and that he recommended that she get. She got the part of the mother, I think, which he said, well, it's not the best part, but it's fine. Sarah Sultan, the fist-sized river rock, she got the part of the narrator. And that is also a production I would like to see. (laughs) I definitely, absolutely, that sounds completely plausible. Also, the fact that Mary, who is playing the mother, I believe is going to be playing opposite Steve Carlsberg in the role. I'm like, that's great. I would definitely want to watch that. Now, Cecil didn't get a part at all, despite him really nailing the interview, but then he said he found out that if you want to be in a play, you have to actually come to rehearsals. And he put down when he was filling out the forms that he was not available to work on evenings or weekends or weekdays. So... (laughs) (laughs) That that kind of reminds me of a joke. I've told this at choir practice a few times that 
there's an orchestra that is getting ready for their big performance, and the conductor tells everybody that there has been so many problems with attendance. So he just wants to recognize Bob, who has managed to show up to every single rehearsal. And Bob said, thank you very much. I figured it was the least I could do since I'm not going to be able to make the performance. (laughs) I love that one. That's awesome. (laughs) And that was the end of the episode. I guess uh, everything turned out okay. Yeah. And they talked a little bit about before the episode about how the live show is starting and you and Nathan are going to see that performance. We are. We're going to see the Durham performance. I can't wait. Now, I really did think about the idea of putting together a costume as the delivery man, which would have been like getting a whole bunch of styrofoam and then cramming it together into like mask shape and then drawing a stick person face on it. But I have not been able to get the wherewithal to finish any projects lately, so I'm not going to stress myself out by starting another one. No, no, that's completely fine. I feel you on that one. We've got WonderCon um, at time of this recording. It's coming up in one week and one day. And I am, all I'm trying to do is do a little steampunk mask, nothing too complicated, but I'm still just like, oh, I may have overreached on this one. (laughs) So that is all for Night Vale. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about this week? I don't know. Should we do a sit rep? I'm not sure how much there is to actually discuss. I mean, the numbers still seem to be going down, but everybody's talking about in China, they've had this like massive increase in Omicron cases. And I think there are cases that are going up slightly in Europe. And I just, I don't know. I've talked to people. I really can get used to not wearing masks around town, but it does feel like it's all happening too fast. Yeah. I have been hearing a lot lately on the Twitterverse about mask mandates being dropped all over the place. And, you know, people talking about schools starting up and I don't know, somebody was talking about their kids went to school and masks were optional, but of course, peer pressure. So nobody was wearing masks. And the next week, all the kids were out sick. And it's just, uh, you know, it's the numbers go down. So mask mandates get dropped. So the numbers go up. So mask mandates go back in. So the numbers drop. And then, you know, it's just over and over. In San Diego, Currently, when you look at the two-week positive average for testing, we're down under 4%, which is the lowest we've been in like a year. But they just dropped the mask mandates, so I'm keeping an eye on that. I don't know. I'm going to WonderCon in two weeks. I'm very nervous. I don't, I don't know. You know, I have no, I hope for the best. It would be awesome if this was, oh yeah, we're starting to come out of the end of it and it's going to be endemic instead of pandemic, which endemic is not necessarily good, but you know, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. And they're now bunch of pharmaceutical companies are applying for approval to do more booster shots. And I, I've said this before, give me all the booster shots. I will take whatever ones you recommend. But the more they recommend, the more I start seeing the side of the people who say, oh yeah, well they said it was just a vaccine. Then they said it was a booster. Now it's going to be two boosters. When does it stop? I don't know. I have no idea. Somebody else said it's like, you know, the people who say, oh, we're just going to take boosters for the rest of our life. It's like, I don't know. We're going to take pills for the rest of our life. I'm like, yeah, we kind of do already. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, we were talking about this before the recording. This whole pandemic has really revealed how many people have comorbidities for stuff. I mean, 
you know, is there such a thing as a totally healthy person that has nothing that would possibly react badly with a terrible virus like COVID is? I don't think so. I mean, it it seems like Russian roulette sometimes. Yeah, it does. Especially when you're like, you take the people who have some kind of health thing that they know about. And these other people are like, oh, well, they only died because they had an undiagnosed health condition. I'm like, undiagnosed, you guys. That's what you should be looking at. You know, it's like, how do you know you have a heart condition that you didn't know about until you get diagnosed with it? You have, no, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We've gone on about this on previous podcasts. We don't need to go on about it now, but you know, everybody that we know currently is hanging in there. So that's good. Yeah. And the U.S. vaccine tracker Twitter page is still tracking the vaccines, but it just takes days and days for a tenth of a percent increase. And now they're tracking how many people are also boosted as well as vaccinated. And those numbers are pretty pitiful. But I do like the fact that they've changed it to a kind of wordle grid now when they're showing (laughs) the numbers. Like, yes, let's be topical by all means. Fine. That's totally fun. I actually kind of like it. They're tracking both like vaccinations and boosters because there's at least a chance that one of them during the day is going to go up a tenth of a percent. I mean, it's just, it's hilarious. But yeah, I'm like, I'm all for the boosters at this point. Fine, whatever. Just give me the boosters. It's great. Yes, please. So I wanted to mention, going on to lighter subjects, sort of, I am caught up on Raised by Wolves. Does that mean you've watched the season finale? That was what I was going to say. I watched episode six last night and I finished watching and I was like, oh, that was interesting. Oh, there's some interesting stuff. And then it was like literally 10 minutes later as I was researching around, I'm like, that was the season finale? It does not feel like a season finale. Is it? So it's only six episodes this season? Yep. I thought it was eight. Good grief. Okay, so nope. we've only got three more to, uh, for Nathan and me to watch before we're caught up. Jeez. Yeah, there's eight episodes in the second season, not six. I did watch the finale. I just forgot which episode it was. And everything I say about the finale is still true. It's weird obviously we said it before, man, it's a shame. Nothing matches up to that first episode. We have to say that out loud. Nothing. If you watched that first episode and had your mind blown like we did, I have to tell you right now, nothing else is ever that good. However, there are some weird things that happen. Uh, The third episode of the second season had some beautiful shots of mother standing on the top of the mountain with the serpent child kind of Mm. swimming around in midair in front of her and that was beautiful they have some beautiful images on this series but yeah the the relationships and people's who people are loyal to just changes from episode to episode and it's just really does because you've got the mithraics but then you've got the atheists and all of them seem really intolerant just intolerant from a different side and it it kind of reminds me of the horseshoe theory that the extremists of either of opposite sides are closer to each other than they are to the middle ground on their own sides and i've seen that many many times and that's what it feels like we're you know seeing here that you've got the leaders are all going to make everybody toe the line and everybody else is just trying to live their life. Yeah, pretty much. And then you've also got, I mean, the splinter groups. I mean, you've got Marcus, who is, I mean, he was originally an atheist, but he took on the personality of a Mithraic and... 
I don't know, now even the fellow Mithraics, some of them don't like him because they don't think he's a real Mithraic and everything. I mean, it's just, it gets a really super complicated. But the stuff that happens with Marcus and with Paul and with Sue that you're going to find interesting, I think. Um, okay. I don't know. Yeah, they, they, they do take it to weird places. But I just, I got to say, you know, the fact that it was 10 minutes after I watched the episode that I realized it was a season finale, it didn't even seem as dramatic as a mid-season hiatus, if I'm being honest. That's really strange. I did like that one bit in the third episode where Sue is obviously in the throes of depression and she's not really thinking to cooperate with anybody. And she's sitting in her room and she's told by the voice of the computer that she needs to report for a duty. And she just like tells somebody else to do it. I'm not into it or whatever she says. And this light starts blinking and the computer repeats the command and the light gets stronger. And then there's this klaxon sound and it's just getting louder and louder. And it really reminded me of that scene from Black Mirror. I think it was One Million Merits where he's watching television and then he sees the porn advertisement starring the woman that he had tried to help and who got brainwashed into doing this so he like tries to fast forward it but he doesn't have enough merits left to do that so he tries to like plug his ears and close his eyes but the computer is programmed to like do a loud loud klaxon if you are not actually with your eyes open staring at the advertisement that's horrifying it is i mean honestly i have little like I feel that a little bit when I'm playing Words with Friends and you get an ad that you can't skip forward past after 10 seconds. It makes you watch like an entire 30 seconds. And I start to feel like, oh, this is a sign of things to come. It is. <laughs> yes. And I, oh, I see that when I'm playing Words with Friends and you have an ad that has, it doesn't have an X to close it out. It has that little fast forward button. So you tap mm-hmm. that, but now you've got that and then you have an X and then you have another X that has a little timer that goes down to make you wait before you can actually select the X. I'm like, how much of our lives are we going to end up being sitting here? Give me the X, damn it. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's raised by wolves and we'll have more episodes in 2023. Oh, so. wow. That long? Yeah, I know. That was a bummer. Well, <laughs> what I'm, are you going to do? I'm kind of glad that I waited so long to get started on it because it wasn't long after I finished up the season one that we got started on season two. That's exactly. I mean, you and I always give ourselves such a hard time about not getting caught up with things and we're so behind things. Now I am completely caught up with Raised by Wolves and I get to wait over a year until we get more. Why was I trying to get caught up again? I don't know. Ugh, mm-hmm. Just don't know. <laughs> so what I wanted to talk about was I will post a link to this in the podcast description, but um, just because of the algorithm on Twitter and the binary system pod Twitter account, we end up running across a lot of great Transformers fan art. So I mean, pretty, really oh. pretty stuff. So pretty. And I happened to run across this one artist, and she likes the Charlie Bumblebee ship, which is basically, you know, Bumblebee from the Bumblebee movie and Charlie, you know, um, uh, and of more of a romantic nature, which sometimes she draws pictures in more of a very sweet and bonding type of thing. But on her personal pages, it's smut. It's just, and it's like, <laughs> if you want some Transformer smut, man, that's what I just, out of curiosity, I went and looked. I'm like, this is interesting. But I just love how some of these Transformers fan artists go into the alternate universe 
And the one that I posted to the Binary System Pod page is a shattered glass version of them, which if you know anything about shattered glass, basically the Autobots are the bad guys and the Decepticons are the good guys. And so it's shattered glass, Charlie and Bumblebee, which she feels is very Bonnie and Clyde. It's a great It's a wonderful picture. I spotted that when you liked it earlier on today. I just, I need to read more of the shattered glass stuff because this is what we're talking about with Transformers, that for ages it's been nothing but the treacherous Decepticons and the heroic Autobots, and we want something different. This is different. You get to see all of the same characters, but a completely different dynamic. Oh, yeah, and it's always, it's fun. And IDW has done a little bit of that, and I've read some of the issues. I feel like IDW, like, obviously Shattered Glass was not created by any of the big comic book companies. It was created by fans, so the fact that IDW did some issues, that is cool. Um, It still could have been pushed a little bit further, I think, But what I think is funny is that when fan artists go into these alternate universes, this same artist has done mermaid versions of Charlie and Bumblebee. I mean, just imagine the entire... That's a kind of out of left field. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's just weird. It's weird and crazy and whatever. But then she also did a version... Do you remember the old cartoon Gargoyles? Yeah, I remember that. Oh, my God. She does... What? A Bumblebee and Charlie Gargoyles version? Well, that I need to look up. Yeah. I mean, as far as I know, like, Charlie is the human version of that, but, like, Bumblebee is the gargoyle version of it. Um, some of it is safe for work. Some of it is not safe for work. But I don't mean, know. Just <laughs> the alternate universes. I just think that is fantastic. It is just hilarious. So anyway, yeah, the adventures and fan art continue on this podcast as they always will. Well, I feel like with the multiverse of madness coming out soon and the Loki TV series with the uh, Time Authority, you can just do anything and just say, hmm, it's a variant. Yeah, yeah, that's why I hope to do some like Clintasha fan art at some point. I'm like, it's an alternate universe and everybody lived and the Hawkeye's stupid family didn't exist. (laughs) But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week, so make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the fan art galleries. So at time that this episode comes out, it's actually going to be the Oscars in a few days. So this is the last, yeah, last podcast you're going to hear before the Oscars come out. We have gotten a lot of the, I think we've gotten almost all of the best picture nominations, a review up on the site, but we're still going to be pushing up reviews all the way up until the day of the Oscars. So make sure to check out the Oscars tag on the site for reviews of the movies. I did actually see the new West Side Story. Oh, and what did you think? Well, I'm not a fan of musicals, and I'm not really a fan of the Romeo and Juliet play, but I do think it was a pretty solid performance. Um, I think some of the actors were stronger than others, but I gotta tell you, you know, you think of all the songs that you probably remember from the movie, mm-hmm. and the dance numbers that they had with them were really fun. So oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's one like at the dance scene at the school, it's the song Mambo, and we played some of the music from that in our orchestra. That's just, I don't care who you are, that's friggin' fun. So <laughs> check it out for that. But anyway, all that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. Saga comes out this week? Yes, I definitely need to check that one out. Um, mm-hmm. You said that there is a possible advanced copy available for a new Neil Gaiman graphic novel? Yep. Um, it is 
the story Chivalry that he wrote and Colleen Doran, who we mm. know from A Distant Soil. Um, she does the art for it. Yeah, well, her, she did such an absolutely mind-blowingly good job on Snow Glass Apples, the other Neil Gaiman story. So I'm really looking forward to this. Now, I may have to wait until next week to read that because I am right now reading Andy Weir's story, Hail Mary. And Andy Mm -hmm. Weir was the person who did The Martian, which I think you read, but I have not read that or seen the movie. So I'm definitely enjoying Hail Mary, but oh my God, so much math. Oh yeah, I remember that in um, The Martian. I mean, he's talking about a guy who's trying to figure out a way that he can survive on Mars without any help from anybody else. And it's all like, how much water does he need? How many calories does he need? What does he need to do to make plants grow? It's a lot of math, but it is like all pretty accurate as far as I can tell. Yeah, I think Hail Mary can probably be described as a locked room murder mystery, except the murder hasn't happened yet, and the victim is going to be the sun and all life on Earth. Oh, my dear Lord. Holy yeah. crap. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, it's interesting. Huh. Yeah, I've recently started to think where I'm trying to read the books that you have been reviewing on the site for, like, I don't know, years, and I'm right in the middle of Rebecca Roanhorse's Black Sun. Oh! Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? It's yeah, so yeah. pretty. And I really yeah. feel like, because I read another one of her Hugo-nominated novels, which I can't remember the uh, title, but I really feel like Black Sun is so much better. It is just yeah. such an improvement. Yeah, I've been enjoying it because I've got another book that I've been trying to read, and I've been kind of like getting through a few pages every once in a while, and I'm like already 200 pages into Black Sun. So yeah, obviously it's an easy read. It's very good. Interesting. So yeah, we'll post all that and more pixelatedgeek.com. And one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. 